welcome to the Hallmarkies podcast. I'm so excited today. We have a very special interview with a special author. He happens to be a good friend of mine. And uh, we are talking about a new book called uh, Proper Scandal by one of my friends, Esther Hatch. And uh, I'm Rachel and Lisa is here with me. Hi, guys. Yes. So this is really fun. And Esther, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I am so glad to be here. Thanks, Rachel. I'm so glad you reached out so that we could do this. Yeah, this is so much fun. I, we've, in the past, we've done a couple other interviews with authors and, of course, writers, but this one isn't particularly Hallmark publishing or Hallmark affiliated in any way, but I just I read the, your first book and I really enjoyed it, and I just thought, you know what? I think Hallmarkies will like this. I think it'll be uh, a good fit. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that one thing that I was listening to some of your podcasts and, <laughs> and one thing I think that really Hallmark and my style of book have in common is they're very clean. They're very upstanding books, but they're not necessarily religious, which is sometimes a hard, not like it's a hard thing to find sometimes with reading. So yeah. Yeah, it's true. And uh, it just, it's very romantic too, which we're all about in the world of Hallmark. <laughs> yes, this, this is definitely true. And they're romance, like they're yes. bread and butter. That's the romance. Yes. So what we like to do when we have an interview is we like to ask our guests to introduce yourself and tell us what inspired you to become a writer. What was your journey? Oh, yeah. So um, I'm Esther Hatch and I have been writing about five years. So this is my second book that's coming out. Um, and that's just kind of how, I mean, that's actually kind of a short journey to writing if you're traditionally published anyway. Um, so I started out as a reader. Um, I've just always, always loved reading. And growing up, you could find me hiding under my blanket, pretending like I was asleep with a flashlight, staying up late reading. <laughs> and um, we didn't necessarily grow up with a lot of money, but for some reason, our house had more books than anyone I knew. We had this huge, giant wall of books. It started out, my dad had built it with plank boards and bricks, and then my mom eventually got like an actual bookshelf, but we just covered in books, and I read every single one of them. I read every Louis L'Amour book, and I read like old Heartfire romances, and um, I don't know, just like classics, everything. Like, I, I feel like almost any genre, if it was in my house, I would read it. And so I grew up just with a passion for reading. Um, and then what happened is my sister-in-law, um, Paula Krenzer, wrote a book and I beta read it for her, which is just kind of like after your book is written and you feel like it's pretty good, you'll have somebody read it and give you ideas and see if there's anything you need to fix. And so I beta read it for her and it was such a fun experience for me because I had read so many books in my life, but um, I did have a few things that I was like, oh, this was really cute, but what if you could have done this? Or what if you could have done that? And I think like you've never had that chance before. And I'm sure you've watched movies or books where you've seen something. You're like, I wish I could change that, right? Like, yes. why didn't they do it that way? And so I gave her those suggestions and like she did it. And it was like the weirdest empowerment feeling to me to be like, I changed the course of a novel. Anyway, so that was kind of like my first love into like, um, into like the writing world. So she wrote that one. She got it published. It's really cute. Um, it's called, it called? that one's called um, Sophia. And she mm -hmm. wrote another one called To Suda Suter. They're both Regencies. 
a lot like mine, clean. And um, after she wrote the first one, though, her sister was like, hey, let's start a critique writing group. And I loved the beta reading so much that I'm like, I definitely want to be a part of this group. But there was a catch, and that was like you had to write. So, <laughs> so I was like, what? I can't just be a reader. I have to start writing. So I had tried writing probably like 15 years ago and got like a paragraph, like a measly hard paragraph out. And I was like, this is too hard. I am going to stick with reading. That's what I love. <laughs> and, um, but since I had to write to be part of that group, I started a novel. And that one took me about two years to write. It's a fantasy, actually, with a very strong romance element. And it's just shelved right now. But I did finish it. it took two years. And then I decided when I finished that one, I kind of had learned my strengths and my weaknesses. And I realized my strength is really the romance. And... Um, I was just going to stick with my strength and write a romance. And I also did not want this one to take me two years. So I set a goal to write a thousand words a day. And then in my mind, I would be able to write it in two months. And honestly, that's what I did. And it was amazing to write. I wrote it in two months. It took two more months to edit it and clean it up. But um, I submitted to two publishers and one of the two took it. And it's been, it's been great. So that's awesome. It's been fun. That's exciting. That's like the most positive example of group think like I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> I'm going to write a novel. I know, right? Like, I really like these people. I want to hang out with them. Like, I guess I'll write a novel. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. I love that story. Have you always enjoyed uh, Regency novels? I have. I mean, I've started, you know, started with Austin. And when Edenbrook came out a few years ago, loved Edenbrook. I love Sarah Eden, like just, um, I love that genre. I think there's something about the rules and breaking the rules and the politeness, and the polite, yes. Yes. And Absolutely. like the morality of the time period that, I mean, obviously like in real life, it probably wasn't quite that moral, but like, that's what we perceive it to be. And, and for sure some people were, and, but the, the society was, you know, like society had those expectations. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's a fun time period. And That's actually awesome. the one, actually the one that's coming out in May is actually Victorian, which actually is even like a more strict time period as far as morality goes. But it's a super early Victorian. So it shares a lot of like the Regency mm-hmm. kind of feel. Yeah. How much research like do you have to do to prepare yourself? Because there are a lot of rules. There are a lot of, you know, even just something as simple as the way they dress, the, <laughs> you know, some of the slang that's used that's perceived yeah. as terrible, which I love. <laughs> it says blast and it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, so especially, how much research? Especially a woman. Yeah. So how much research did you have to do? And then did you have to go back and kind of start all over again when you had to do the Victorian? Because that is slightly different. Like, so how was that? So I, so I feel like for me, most of my research happened over the course of my lifetime while I've been right. reading it in these genres. Um, I love Jane Austen, which is Regency. One of my favorite, like my favorite novel, which I also know is Rachel's favorite novel is North and South, which is Victorian, not Regency. So I think a lot of it comes from just like, I have like this broad reading understanding of it. And actually I use a lot of that in the Roses of Feldstone, just like my own personal, what I figured out from reading books. But then you also, so what I, I have that, and then I research, um, some people research like crazy I'm kind of like a middle ground researcher where if I have things I need to research, that's what I research. Otherwise I can get bogged down in it. 
right. all, for a long time. So Roses of Felstone, I had like a big historical mistake in it just because like I hadn't thought about it. But I like I figured it out before it went to print, but it or not before it went to print, before it went be released, but it was already mm -hmm. printed. And I was just kind of like, well, there's not much I can do about it now. And that's a silly excuse that I just didn't think to look that up. <laughs> but that was my excuse. And um, so that's a tricky thing because people really, really, really lambast you on that. Like people who are historically, yeah. like the people who are looking to read historicals want them to be accurate. And so I try my best, I really do, but um, there's always probably gonna be some mistakes. So, yeah. and I do love to put like historical details in there. That's my favorite thing. So in this one, the one coming out in May has a train disaster in it. And well, two are mentioned. One is um, historical. Um, and then the other one is based off of a different historical accident that happened. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I figure you're not writing a textbook. It's, it's not, uh, you know, if people want to learn about the period, they can read nonfiction. This is fiction. There's going to be some embellishments and some ridiculous parts. And that's part of, honestly, kind of part of the fun of it, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. yeah. And I thought I'd mention, so Edenbrook, I, if, uh, since you mentioned Edenbrook, Edenbrook is, was a book that really took off here in Utah. I don't know how big it is other places, but it's, yeah, Regency, Julianne Donaldson, y'all should totally check it out. It's really dishy. It, it's yeah. super cute. And I think it did something for this whole, um, genre that yeah. no other book has done. It, this clean, secular Regency romance, I don't think was really a thing. I mean, yeah. it probably was in some lines that I just wasn't aware of, but um, it was hard to find. And now it's just that, that genre has blossomed in the last yeah. Yeah, at least locally. So definitely people should check that out. But, but yeah, so your first novel, Roses of Feldstone, do you want to tell people just briefly what it's about? And Yeah, this one's harder for me to give a synopsis of than my second one. I feel like it's, more character-based than my second one. And my second one, I think, has a lot more plot and things going mm -hmm. on. Yeah. But, so I think it, that's fine because um, depending on what you like, that's probably going to appeal to some authors or readers more than others. But, um, so Roses of Feldstone is the story of two, of William and Rose. And uh, they grew up together, kind of. I mean, not completely. They didn't meet until she was, I think, 14. And their families are friends. So they grew up spending five weeks together every year, great friends. And then something happens where um, William just becomes super standoffish. And Rose is just kind of a fun personality where she's not going to just sit back and take that. So they kind of become a little bit like, I wouldn't say enemies, but uh, definitely have this a little bit abrasive relationship at the beginning is where really the book starts. You don't, you don't start with the backstory. It kind of comes out throughout the book. And it's kind of the story of them figuring out what went wrong and how to overcome it. And if they could overcome it, I really love Rose. She was so fun to write. She, my, my son, who's 14, I have four boys. So they haven't read much of my books, but the other day he picked it up and he just came out of my room. And it was the funniest thing to me. He goes, man, mom, Rose is savage. <laughs> the like highest this, compliment. Yes. I know. Well, I'm like this 14-year-old boy using this nowadays slang that I wouldn't even use to just like describe my Regency era um, heroine. It's just 
it was just a funny moment for me. So oh, it's awesome. a fun book. Um, really what I was trying to do with that one is I don't love the enemies to lovers trope that much because I'm always like, if they hate each other, how could they just go to love each other? But um, what I wanted to do with this one is to have kind of that feel, but have them never actually hate each other. Like right. actually to be able to love each other all along, but to have situations come up that made it feel like mm -hmm the other one didn't love them anymore or something yeah so yeah well it kind of reminded me of uh mansfield park is the one it reminded me of oh yeah see, I love not cousins like <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are not cousins <laughs> and i know that i could write a story like that but i probably will never do that <laughs> but yeah just the fact that they were like friends for so yeah. long and and uh uh and then you know this new dynamic kind of erupts i guess you might say yeah but it kind of reminded me a little bit of of that or maybe even emma a little bit yes and Some i think their personalities are maybe a little bit like emma's but well I, emma and they also have the, the long background together mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it was a very dishy novel i i, I listened to it i but i just through the whole day I was like not even I was just like really engrossed in what I was doing in in my work but the whole time I, I think I was typing even faster because I'm just listening to this and I'm like, this is so, <laughs> so Aubrey Warner read that and I just she did such a great job I was so nervous I don't know why I thought like listening to my book would be the worst thing in the world for me like I thought every mistake would just be worse. I, not mistakes, because obviously I had editors go over things, but it, I don't know. But I listened to it and I was just blown away with how great a job the reader did. So um, I was going to say, it might be, okay. I think, I feel like that would be awesome because a, a person who's doing the audiobook probably brings their own interpretation to, so there might be some slight variations. So maybe they emphasize one point more than you probably thought. Yeah. So that might be kind of cool, like hearing your book read. Yeah just slightly different maybe were there any parts where you were like huh I never thought of putting it I mean, that you know what I mean like one of the sorry one of the funny things was just um so it's the roses of Feldstone is the name mm -hmm. of my book and when you're filling out an audio form you fill out every word that um you would think they might miss say so like names and things anyway I did not put Feldstone on there and so one of the funniest things is she pronounces it Feldston and I actually think that's probably how they would pronounce it. So I'm 100% yeah. great with it. It actually is beautiful. I, I don't know why I could never say it that way. Cause I feel like since I don't have the English accent, yeah. that to me it is Feldstone, but I do think an English person would read it Feldstone. So I'm like totally great with that. But it was just kind of oh funny God. when like that's the awesome. very first thing, the roses of Feldstone, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, <laughs> the title's different, but that's yeah. great. <laughs> oh, that's so great. I love it. Yeah. So after you had written Roses of Feldstone, like how was that sort of thought process of what do I write next? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so I feel like authors in general kind of draw on different things. So the things that I think have really helped me besides my reading, I also watch Korean dramas. I don't know. <laughs> I actually mostly don't watch them anymore now that I started writing, but I went through a Korean drama craze and they are so good at the romance and setting up these cute things and i watched one of them and it's totally different from my new book but the thing that i love that they did is the main characters you know 
have their meet cute. I mean, the quintessential meet cute where you bump into each other and it's like, oh, there's, you know, there's mm -hmm. your two main characters. So they had a meet cute and then they never really got introduced. And then um, they had another meet cute. And I, so I was just kind of like, oh, two meet cute, like in one book, that's what I want to do. So really that was the like spark that got me thinking about this one. Um, the other thing is I, I'd only written one Regency romance, but I was kind of ready to have my protagonist male um, have a job, which is harder to do in Regency romance. So I wanted to push the time period forward so that he could do something, um, be involved in industry of some sort. And um, so I pushed it to 19, it, 19, 1843 England, and the railroad is just, just coming on the scene. And he's, uh, he is a gentleman, but he's entered into this like trade, meant trade position. And um, he, I mean, he's like the boss, so it's not like he's a grunt worker, but it kind of ostracizes him from the society too. So he, cause it works for a living. So mm -hmm. those are kind of the two things that really sparked this novel for me. Um, mm -hmm. Kind of uh, the feeling in the meet cute and then the story was actually a lot based on the fact that I wanted to have um, my main male character have a job. Mm -hmm. nice. That is really smart because, I mean, that's part of the reason why I love North and South so much is because uh, his pride, Mr. Thornton's pride is, is so easy to relate to because it's about what he's accomplished and what he's worked hard to after his uh, father ruined their name. And he's, he's brought it all back up so you just feel so much for the character as opposed to just like inheriting your position yeah, yeah. and your role like it's a different kind of pride i feel like and then yeah. than that so yeah that was interesting and yeah. it's hard to relate nowadays i think to really loving a character that never had to work for anything mm -hmm. so i yeah i wanted more related or relatable um yeah. main character I did get strong North and South vibes throughout this book. Mm -hmm. I just want that's, you to, uh, not only probably... Mr. Bell. I was like, oh, Mr. Bell. Oh, yeah. Um, I was like, Mr. Bell. Uh, but he's a bad guy. Name, yeah. Whenever I hear that name, I think of um, the way uh, in the movie, the way she says it. Um, oh, gosh. Now I can't think of her name, the actress, but she's. Margaret. Oh, the actress. Yeah. Well, the actress yeah. that plays her. And she's just so lovely. But I also, at the end, when, um, I won't give anything away, but there's a certain character that tries to say, hey, here's kind of what the deal is, but it's not really my story to tell. It reminded me of Mr. Bell trying to tell yeah. Mr. Bell, and he's like, go away. <laughs> yeah. I don't want you're, to you're love like, her. But... Oh, it's going to work out. Oh, no. I can't believe you didn't tell her. I know. And I was just like, go back and just showed it. But no. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, oh, this is giving me. So any North and, fan, North and South fans out there, yes, jump on this because you'll get some yeah. super North and South. So yeah, so we're going to talk about a proper scandal in the most abstract way we can. But if you're somebody who just can't handle any details about anything before you read it, then uh, then go and read it and then come back and listen to the podcast. But we'll try to keep it relatively spoiler-free. But uh, we both read it. And uh, Lisa, what was your overall sort of thoughts of the book? Oh, okay. So um, I do actually like uh, enemies to to lovers trope. I, it's one of my favorites. And even though they're not enemies, there is like some tension there, which I loved because it was like, do they or don't they? And there's so many misunderstandings, but it's not like, 
um, the frustrating misunderstandings where you're like, just talk to each other. You're just like, oh, it's, it was just a lot of surprises and a lot of twists. And I just, in a lot of swoon moments, a lot of romantic moments. And yes, I just loved it. So there's my, (laughs) (laughs) that that makes me really happy because not very many people have read this book yet. So it's really fun to have readers say they enjoyed it. Cause you, I, there's always this fear of, Oh, everyone's going to hate it, but I really love it. So hopefully. Oh yeah. I absolutely love it. Yes. It was really fun. I really enjoyed reading it. I mean, I read it on my phone, which I normally hate reading books on my phone. Uh, but I was, I was just going through. <laughs> I mean, for me to stay invested in a, in a book on my phone, is takes a lot. And I, I really did enjoy it. There's towards the end, there are some miscommunications that I'm like, just talk to each other. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that were very close, I think, to being frustrating, but you read, wrote that line, I think, really well. Very well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes it's just too drawn out, but these were just, oh, it was just, it was just fun because you yeah. know, you're like, I know there's going to be a happy ending. There better be. <laughs> you're just, I know it. But you're just like, oh, how are they going to get there? And oh, it was, I just, I had a, I had a really good time with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really fun, fun book. And just, you have good, you did a good job with sort of romantic tension, building it up, building it up between the two leads and i did think that i'm not a huge twist person actually in books or movies but i think it it, it paid off so uh, it, and we're not just saying that because like if 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 i really hated the book then this interview would probably wouldn't <laughs> be awkward. um but so i'm not just saying that because we're interviewing you and uh so it was a it was a lot of fun you did a really good job yes. thank you it was a fun book to write it really was. Well, yeah. I wasn't expecting a twist like that in a romance. Now, in a in a cozy mystery, which I've been reading a lot of lately, or something like that, you know, I, you kind of wait for the okay. Well, I'm just waiting for it around any yeah. corner. But I wasn't expecting it, so it was it was real. It was in a word delightful. Yeah. I wasn't expecting it. So, <laughs> so why don't you tell people just a little bit about what a proper scandal is about? So a proper scandal starts with Grace, my main character, and she is an orphan, um, but grew up in a really quite wealthy family in her own little town. Well, I mean, like, so not a London society lady at all, but for this town of Portford, um, her family was kind of the, you know, how you picture it, the, you know, the wealthy family in the neighborhood in England where they have the biggest house and, and they're the ones inviting people for family parties and things. So she grew up that way until, oh, this is where I, I might get timelines confused. I'm, I, I imagine she was, I think, 14-ish when her parents both died from cholera. And she moves in with the vicar, the vicar and his wife. And that goes fine for quite a few years, but um, she's actually very beautiful. <laughs> and um, they have two daughters that are coming of age to be married. And the wife just feels like she's too much competition for them in their home. So the very start of the novel is her kind of being kicked out basically of this home that she's lived in um, to go live with her aunt in London, um, who she has met a few times, but they don't have a great relationship. Um, Her aunt's husband died at the same time her parents did. Um, So she was kind of wallowing in grief and didn't take Rose in. Instead, she had to end up going 
to the vicarage. But um, she gets this letter saying that they will take her now and her aunt has since remarried. So um, she's like, this is great. I'll finally have a family that's actually family. And she heads to London. Um, and unfortunately, when she gets there, she finds out really it was the uncle that wanted to come, her to come all along. And he's kind of scheming to use her dowry to kind of get out of <clears throat> all the problems that he's put himself in um, debt and gambling debt. And um, so he, what happens is he decides to use her to marry her off to um, the son of one of the people he owes money to. So mm -hmm. kind of threatens her and this all comes out, but um, in the first little bit of the book threatens her that she needs to get married within two weeks. So she, she's set up as this really sweet, innocent kind of person, but having to go out and try and basically seduce a man, not in the way we think seduce nowadays, but like entrap a man into marriage, um, which is abhorrent to her. And she really doesn't want to do it. So she tries to get out of it in different ways. And, um, but yeah, so, and I didn't even get into Mr. Barton, who's the main character. And throughout, you see him throughout this process at the very beginning, they meet, they have their double meet cute as they meet at the train station and then later at a ball and spoiler not too big of a spoiler he is the man that the husband picked for her to try and entrap so well see what's interesting is that she has motivation to actually be kind of invested in this plan because of her situation and her wanting to get out of the situation and so she so she's conflicted like she doesn't want to entrap a man but she also kind of does want to because uh, she wants to get out of this. So it, it, that kind of gives her an interesting conflict, I think. Yeah. Well, and I try, I tried to be real. And so that was my original plot line. But then I realized really quickly, like any person that I would respect would try really hard to not have, like for that to be not her only option. Right. And so at the beginning, she tries a few other things Yeah, to, that's true. to, to try and not have to just entrap a man. And that's her only option. But, um, but back then you really didn't have, like as a single woman, she, she didn't have a place to go. She couldn't go back to the vicarage. This was her only family. And her uncle Bell is really creepy and she does not want to be in that house more than two weeks anyway. So um, yeah, so she's kind of eventually after she runs out all her other options, she decides like, oh, I, this Mr. Barton, maybe he's like, maybe he is my only option and, and maybe he's not that bad of an option. Right. And that's, it's funny because that sounds like kind of an awful beginning to a romance is like he's the only option or not the only option what I use it in the book she says it to him or he says it to her like at one point but I can't I'm moving it <laughs> sure. but yeah. like she, he's not the worst she could do or something like that yeah well and I think it would have been very easy for it to just be uh, one of the the standard um she has a secret from him that he will never know that he's part of this scheme until the very end when he finds out and he's like, never mind, I don't want to love you. And she's like, ah. And then you spend the last 10 pages like reconciling very quickly, like, no, it is, I do love it. But it wasn't that. It was, it could have, it could have been that really easily, but it wasn't. It was, I, I really enjoyed that, that Grace had a lot of um, gumption, a lot of inner turmoil, like, I really don't want to do this, but I kind of have no choice and I really want my independence and I really am trapped and I don't know what to do. And I really enjoyed like reading her struggle 
Um, and so it, it made for a much interesting thing than that's just the general, I'm keeping this secret from you and then eventually you're gonna find out and that's what's gonna separate us temporarily. So I appreciated that. Well, and it's interesting because everybody writes differently and I'm sure, yeah. I think my original outline was probably a lot more like that. But then when I sit down and write a character, mm -hmm. I think too often I'm like, if this was me, this is how I, I wouldn't act this way. I wouldn't, how would I keep a secret like that from this man? And right. so, yeah, I think people are surprised sometimes when they've okay. read it, how like almost open she is about what she's doing. I don't know if that's too much of a spoiler. Yeah. No, but. <laughs> no, it just makes their character motivation like really clear for both characters. And you totally see where they're coming from because she wants to get out of the situation and but she also you know is in love with him he is like what is this woman what's going on you know like it just makes i i hope i wrote that well enough because my yes. one of my favorite things was just him going this is a very beautiful woman why is she going after me right like i am the outcast in society she could have any man she wants and yet she keeps pursuing me like what is going on here? And I, I loved that aspect of the novel. I hope it comes out well. Um, but yeah, like I loved having him feel like I am nowhere near this lady's level. And yet she keeps, she keeps pursuing me. Why, why is she doing this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny because I I had read the book and then I gave it to Lisa to read and she, on our Twitter thing she was like, "Mr. Bell is the worst person ever." Oh, it's so creepy. He gets creepier, doesn't she? Yeah, doesn't he really does. Yes. Yeah. You know, he didn't start out quite that creepy, and that's one thing because I in my mind when I started this book I wanted it to have a very light, um, kind of comedic feel, and. I set it up kind of wrong for that. This is something I've learned as an author. Like if I want to write like a romantic comedy and it still has comedy in it, um, but it also has kind of some darkness in it that I didn't maybe plan as much as I thought when I was plotting. But that was one thing that my, my editors came back and just like, you just need to make him worse and worse. <laughs> you know? And at one point I remember almost crying to my husband. I'm like, I feel like I'm making all the men in this book bad and I'm not a man hater. But like <laughs> some of them redeem themselves at the end. And, um, but she just kind of has to be put in the most dire of situations. And that's kind of how you start out. So. Yeah, I mean, it's because this was it's published by Covenant Books, right? Yes. Yes. And I was kind of, I'm like, wow, they're really, she's, I was thinking, Esther's really pushing them. This is pretty, because it's a conservative, like not Christian, but more conservative publishing. And like, this is, this is pushing the envelope a little bit. It's fun. <laughs> I, I'm Yeah. I mean, I think they're in a couple of ways, maybe nothing. I mean, it's I mean, definitely it's, yeah. a clean read. Yeah, but, for sure. um, but there's tension for sure mm -hmm. in, in her life is in peril. Maybe, it, I mean, maybe not life is necessarily the right word, but, um, anyway, she, her she's safety. in peril. Her safety is in peril mm -hmm. at times, but also like, um, as an author, I felt like in the clean romance books that I've read, a lot of them do a good job of this, but I, not all of them, I feel like have much passion and mm -hmm. I personally love it if it mm -hmm. can, if I can have a book that is kind of passionate, but also clean and I don't have to worry about getting too into anything that I don't want to read or don't want to have in my home for my kids to pick up. Um, 
but I, that's important for me as an, as a romance author to still have that there. Sometimes mm -hmm. I think that gets lost in the attempt to stay completely like clean. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You're speaking my language. So say if, if, if all we get is, is a kiss in the last minute, it's a little frustrating sometimes. Which <laughs> is, don't get in Hallmark too often. But, I was just watching Hallmark last night. Yeah. Way too late. And um, that, that was one of the things I was like, I am watching this to see these guys kiss. Like I will, I say that <laughs> so late and, and like the kisses were good, but I'm like, I could have handled a little yeah. bit more. Like mm -hmm. they were good and, yeah. and, and definitely worth the payoff, but so yeah, I get, and that's kind of how I feel like my books, I kind of hope to up that just a little bit from maybe some of the other books out there in this genre. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't want to say too much because it'll be spoilery, but so I can't really say what, exactly what I want to say, but I will say that the initial buildup gives much more um, tension later. As they as they grow closer, as um, Nate and and Grace get um, more involved with each other, it's like, it, yeah, it, it works. <laughs> it was good. Okay, I like it. Yes. Um. So, Mr. Barton, what what do you think it attracts uh, Grace to to him? Why is he kind of the one that she sees as the good match? So she's come from family after family that don't really. Um, have her best interests in mind where they're kind of just pushing her aside um, if that makes sense and I think with Mr. Barton she sees someone who would never do that um, there's a certain scene where he comes back from something terrible and he wants to help anyone who was hurt by it and I think that is kind of the moment where it clicks with her that here's a man who is upstanding and decent, and she hasn't seen very many of those. So uh, the people who worked on the railroad back then were called navvies, and they were not looked highly upon at that time. But he is just as concerned about the navvy as he would be about any other person And at, after this disaster that happened. And um, I think that's kind of the turning point for her where she realizes that he cares for everyone and that he's a good person and honestly, at the beginning, it's just because she's like, oh, here's a decent person. And that's better than any of my other options. But then I think as that builds, um, she does begin to fall in love with him. And I think what it comes down to is she feels really safe with him and, and she hasn't had that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that. Any other uh, thoughts? No, no, no. <laughs> I loved that, that the whole scene where as she bumps to him at his office <laughs> after, after the, I, uh, I don't think that's too, I mean, just a little thing, but I don't know. I loved that whole scene because he's like, what are you doing here? Like, what is going on? It was so good. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's probably one of my favorite, like right when he first sees her, that's like one of yeah. my favorite scenes too. Yeah. And it's not a big, nothing big happens, but it's just like, yeah, like you said, why is she back in my life right now? Like, how did, yeah. <laughs> and we know, we know that she's like pursuing him, right? But he doesn't know it. So he's just kind of always thrown off when she shows up at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, what was nice is because Grace is a strong person, but she's also 
a weak person. Like she's, she was a well, I think a well-written character. Cause I feel like we've gotten a pretty good job at writing kick, butt, awesome, strong, empowered women, but especially for a book, like you want them to have vulnerabilities and things they're not, you want them to make mistakes and grow and learn. And I think that that was good about her. That she was a flawed yeah, character. Yeah. She, she was a lot harder for me to write for that reason. Like mm-hmm. Rose in my first novel is kind of your more typical spunky, just fun. She's got these funny retorts for people. And, and that was really fun and kind of easy to write for me. But Grace, I kind of struggled with for that exact reason. I, you, it's hard to write a person who is kind of weak. Like she, but she's weak, not in her personality. She's not weak in her um, convictions but she's weak in her position in society, basically. Like she has no choices. And so that, and that choices are kind of what show your character if they're strong or not. And she hasn't been given any, she's kind of forced to go down a path that other people have chosen for her. So it was a pretty complicated character to write for me because, and make her still, so you could still see her strengths. And yeah. She seems like somebody who's very, trustworthy and as she moves along in life she realizes not everybody's worthy of that trust and it's really hard for her to grapple with especially when she when she enters the um her aunt's house she realizes she has a cousin like she has basically a a built-in sister um her name is georgina and she is a little bit younger than her and she wants to be close with her because she now she has a family but then she realizes very quickly that not everything is as it seems and she's learning very quickly life is sometimes terrible and people are terrible and she finds out Georgina might be one of those people (laughs) yeah Yeah, that must have been a challenging character to write Georgina I I really love Georgina um I wanted her to be a challenging character (laughs) uh so if I could say she's actually not at all like this character, but one of my favorite characters in literature is from Wives and Daughters. Um, her name is, is it Cynthia? Is that the daughter? Yeah, or Hy- yeah. Hyacinth is the mom and Cynthia is the daughter. Yes. And, and so these two characters are very different, but I always loved Cynthia that she was kind of a despicable character, Yeah. but we loved her somehow. You know, I don't know if you were that way, but that's, I, or if you've read it or I've always, been fascinated at how how did Elizabeth Gaskell make a character so complex and yet a side character that you don't see very often right. so mm-hmm. I I don't think I pulled that off as well as as Elizabeth yeah. Gaskell did and I have no shame in saying that but that was my hope for her was to have a complicated character that you can love and hate at the same time and I think it was I think it was done really well because there are times when you just want to throw Georgina through the wall but at the same time she's also trapped by the almost exact same circumstances as Grace's and she's basically acting as she's forcing Grace to act in sometimes because she has no other choice and she's just trying to get out of her life yeah so I, I I felt really bad for her and then sometimes I was just like really (laughs) yeah she uh, that's such a brilliant brilliant um comparison because yeah that very similar to cynthia Uh, i when i was reading it i was thinking oh this is basically lucy Steele. ability is who i kind of thought of yeah a little bit yeah but maybe a little more likable i don't know yeah and i think and maybe that's just something that happens in books is kind of your side character that 
helps move the plot. I don't, I don't know, but yeah. Um, yeah. It was good. Yeah. It was very good. Um, so, uh, so you have a twist in this book and how did you end up deciding to kind of go that route and how did you kind of come up with it? If we can talk about it as vaguely as possible. I know yeah. it's challenging. So it wasn't an original part of the plot, for sure, when I began the book. Um, there's two types of writers. They're, they call them plotters and pantsers. And I think I fit, like, right in the middle. Like, I can't write a book without knowing the end. And I have to know the beginning. And I have to know a few things in between. But then I usually just sit down and write and see where the characters take me. I honest to goodness cannot remember when I thought to do that twist. I, I, I know it wasn't originally part of my original plot, but I remember being very, very excited about it. And, um, and it was, it was fun. It was tricky to write. There's, there were a few things, you know, you have to, and and there are things that maybe you wouldn't think about it unless you were writing it yourself. But so there were things you have to keep hidden, but um, it's my favorite part of the book. And I think it will probably be talked about a little bit as it comes out. So I'm really excited for this book to come yes. out. But also, I think, like Lisa said, when I think before we came on, people aren't expecting it in a romance, I think. And so I almost don't even know how much I want it to be talked about because I like that feeling of like, like you're starting this book thinking you're just reading another Regency or Victorian romance and then kind of it gets shaken up yeah. about, you know, partway through. Yes. It's my yeah. favorite part too. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are reading the book and you <laughs> want to talk about the twist, you can just like DM us or something. Yes. Like that. We'll talk about it. Really yeah. Fun. I would love to. That's the thing is I want to talk about it. Yeah. But I can't. Yeah. I would love to tell you the things that were tricky for me too, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. uh, very, very good. Uh, so yes. So Lord Bryant is a character. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It was pretty interesting. Uh, yes. <laughs> He's one of my favorites, honestly. Okay. From this. I really wanted to ask you about him because I wanted to know if he was as fun to write as he was to read. And side question, part B, <laughs> would he ever be eligible for his own redemption story? Because that's my favorite question. Um, <laughs> that's what I want everyone to ask after they read this book. Yay! Um, I have plans for Lord Bryant. <gasps> yes. Oh, I'm so excited. No, he actually, the person I think yeah. it is, but okay, sorry. Um, he actually um, started out as a very despicable character because I needed that for a plot device, okay? Mm-hmm. On the, his, her first train ride, she needed to meet her first despicable, well, second, no, kind of second despicable man, yeah. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and so I wrote him originally as a very creepy, creepy guy, and then came to the conclusion that, that then he had to come back in later on and I realized like a creepy guy is just flat and not fun at all. And so as he came into the book later, he evolved into someone who wasn't actually creepy yeah. and, but had things he was hiding from society that he didn't mind being portrayed that way. So as his character evolved in my mind and I know like his whole backstory, oh. I know so much about Lord Bryant. I'd love to share with you. Oh my gosh. Um, so but he, I am not working on his story now. I've, I've decided that this will be like a three part series. So yes. there I'm working on someone's story from this book and then his is going to be the third, but Lord Bryant will be in my second book as well. <sighs> and I think it, it'll be fun to see him in the second book because he has a little bit different role to play in this one. 
So yeah. he's kind of like a well-meaning Catherine de Berg. Super handsome. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's really cool. I I am very, very excited about that as well. I uh, yeah, I will definitely be reading those books. We'll have you on again. <laughs> uh, so that's awesome. So I guess the last question about the book is if you, if maybe we can each answer, if you were going to cast it, if you were going to make a movie off of a proper scandal, which they absolutely should, uh, who would you cast? Did you have somebody in mind that you could think of a little better? Yes. So at least for, um, for Grace, I don't know if I would cast her necessarily, but I often like scan for pictures to help me think of how to describe people it helps me a lot visually and uh, I should have I'm trying to remember her name she's a Disney actress actually it's who I picked for her she does um the one where they're (laughs) twins um oh no 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 it's a it's a tv show it's um so one's a sporty twin yes yes Yes. Yes. Okay. So her so, name is Dove Cameron, right? Dove Cameron. Yes. Thank yes. you. So, Interesting. Yeah. Um, so Dove Cameron, not in her Live and Maddie pictures because she's really young there. But like, if you look up images of her now as an adult, um, that is kind of what I had in mind when I described uh, Grace. Just like oh. actually very, very like kind of beautiful in a very innocent way. I could see that. Yeah. So that was, um, that was who I would, so I guess maybe her for Grace, but I think they're, as far as Mr. Barton, I mean, I would probably cast Hugh Jackman as every uh, one of my (laughs) main male characters. So maybe him. (laughs) And that's, (laughs) but uh, who else would be a good, I don't, do you have ideas? Those are that is not who I picked when I was describing him I can't remember if I had actually anyone in mind for his I'd have to go back and check my notes (laughs) well I think she might be too old but if we kind of moved it up a little bit as far as age I think Anne Hathaway would be very good as Grace because I think she gets that kind of humor but she's also very like regal and I think uh, I don't know I think she would fit in really well and I don't know about Mr. Barton It's, it's tricky uh, with him, but uh, I don't know. So maybe Michael Fassbender or somebody like that would oh, be fun. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm he's kind of so Rochester to me in a way. So I don't know if it would work, but uh, he's the first person I thought of. What did you have anybody that you thought of, uh, Lisa? You know, I kept intentionally pushing people out of my mind because I just love these two characters so much. And sometimes when I'm reading, I'll think of an actor or an actress, and then they're like ingrained in my brain and it almost sometimes kind of takes over and then I that's all I can think of and so I just anytime a flash of somebody I just kept pushing it from my mind because I just wanted to read these two Uh and just just dive into them as they were and I was so afraid I was like if I focus too much because sometimes I'll just be like who could play this person and then so (laughs) I intentionally stopped because I didn't want to I didn't want it to take over I was was too into both of them yeah that makes sense. Yeah, it would be. I think a uh, Haley Richardson would be really good as well. Like uh, as far as a younger, she's in um, uh, this Five Feet Apart. They just came out, oh, and she's yeah. in support the girls. And I think she would be really, really good. But uh, I don't know that sort of young crop of younger. I guess the guy in um, 
uh, to all the boys I've loved before. He would be pretty fun. Oh yeah. If you were really going younger, I don't know. It would Such be, a cute movie. Yeah. It would yeah. be fun. So, all right. Well, we'll just have to see when they cast it. <laughs> they yes. <laughs> Call us. We'll, we'll yeah, help. Yeah. <laughs> Casting <Yeah>. directors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we like to end our interviews with what we call the team beat questions. And so this is just really fun and really silly. And so first question is what is the best ice cream flavor? I would have to go with um, Bluebell, the Great Divide. It has Blue to be Bell. Bluebell. Yes. <laughs> yes, you know what I'm talking about. I know, I'm from Texas, Bluebell. Like cookies and cream though too. Like honestly, it's more like my favorite company is Bluebell because yes. I'll eat their cookies and cream, pralines and caramel, Great Divide every day. And oh, we don't live in Texas, but we did. So it's like, oh. it's like my dream ice cream that I get to eat once yes. every other deliver. year or something. I. <laughs> You know what? That's my husband did for my birthday one year. Yeah, and I'm like, you get it delivered. It's expensive, but it's, it's kind of so worth it. It's so expensive. And we were like, we were like, we would never do that, right? And then we did. And we we're like, that was totally worth it. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yes. Okay. You just have to think of paying for scoop. Yeah. It's not so bad. That's like one year. I love Malamar cookies, and you can only get them in the East Coast. And like, up, we really get just up in the New York kind of area. And there's, I don't know why, because they're so yummy. And one year I was just like, darn it all. I'm going to Amazon and I'm ordering <laughs> cookies. Sometimes it's <laughs> worth delicious. it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. What is your favorite color? Uh, green. Yeah. Very on brand. You can be in all <laughs> work. Sweet. <laughs> uh, what music are you into right now? Um, so I like Weezer a lot, uh -huh. kind of like a throwback to my high school days, probably. Yes. Um, the song I listen to the most probably, and I don't know why this is, but it helps me clean is, um, Cake by the Ocean by DMCE. <gasps> but I have to do the kids bot version on yes. Alexa because they do. <laughs> so my kids are always like, play Cake by the Ocean by Kids Bop Kids <laughs> so that I can have it blaring in my house while I clean. Yeah, my so, kids are obsessed yeah. with that song, so I totally get it, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it's like just got this beat that I'm like, I yeah. wash dishes to this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. All right. What is your go-to date night food? I would have to go with Masaman curry. Mm -hmm. um, so Thai food, any Thai food almost. <laughs> Good choice. All right. What is your go-to date night activity to do? Um, with my husband and I, we are currently going through a huge tennis fad. Rachel and I met, met when I was swimming all the time, and I've kind of transitioned that into tennis now. And so just playing mixed doubles tennis would be like my favorite activity. Awesome. That's cool. All right. Uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. I grew up with both. And loved both as a kid, but we only have a dog now, and I think that uh, my kids are allergic to cats. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm allergic to cats too, so I understand. All right, beaches or mountains? Both. <laughs> is that an option? <laughs> oh, that's a hard one. I live near the mountains and I love them, but honestly, every time I want to escape, I always pick the beach. Like if I'm like if I get any vacation, I want to go to the beach. So maybe beach. If I had to pick one. Yeah. All right. Uh, would you rather be in a fancy dress or sweats? Um, 
These are hard questions, actually. <laughs> uh, I always wear sweats, so maybe fancy dress just for fun, for yeah. novelty's sake. I'm so proud of you because that's exactly the answer that a Regency novelist should give. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yes. I'm legit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what is your favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas. Yeah. That's to be great. Right. It's tough to beat. All right. And what is your favorite Hallmark movie? Okay. I've actually thought about this one quite a bit over the last week. And <laughs> I'm going to have to say like whatever I'm watching because oh. <laughs> I, I, I can't turn them off. So last night I watched two and I was like, the first one I'm like, oh, I'm going to tell Rachel it's this one. And that was Autumn Autumn Dreams. Autumn Dreams. And yes. it was so cute. So I'm like, oh, I'll tell Rachel that one. And then right after, this is like 1.30 a.m. when that one finished. <laughs> and a new one started automatically. And I couldn't stop. So I was until three. And I'm like, no, I'm going to tell Lisa this one. And it was um, Honeymoon for One. I thought that was so cute. So, yeah. Honeymoon yeah. for One. Have I seen that one? It has, um, it, it's got a famous, a pretty famous actress in it. I'm thinking... Is it Cat Control or is I that, that, that one where she goes to <laughs> Ireland? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It was, it was really cute. And I, I felt like different than most of their. Yeah. Um, I've never movies. seen it. You should watch oh. it. It was cute. It was cute. It's got Greg Wise. <laughs> what, what's the actress's name? Did I give the wrong name? Nicolette uh, Sheridan. Yeah. Nicolette yeah. Sheridan. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah, it is a vicious true. cycle that you can get down. And before I, you know it, the whole day is gone. <laughs> watching one and well, and then another one started right after that. I'm like, stop, 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 stop. Yeah. Don't, even watch. <laughs> Don't even watch a second. So, yeah. Anyway. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, you passed the test. We'll still allow you to keep writing dishy, beautiful <laughs> novels. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So this was really fun. I had a great time and thanks so much for coming on the podcast and talking with us. We both really enjoyed the book. So uh, where can people find it? When, and when will be it on, when will it be on sale and all of that fun stuff? So May 1st, it will be available on Amazon. It's up for pre-order now. If you live in an area that has a Deseret bookstore or a Siegel bookstore, um, they, they all have it in their stores and online. Um, Seagull book usually has it 20% off, which is cool. Cause that's like my publisher has a connection with Seagull book. That's their storefront. So, um, if you're nearby where you can get to a Seagull book, that's a great place to do it. The libraries in Utah and Idaho and we'll have it too. So, um, cause that's where our publisher is based. So yeah, but Amazon's kind of the easiest. <laughs> so. mm -hmm. You know, will they have it on audiobook eventually? They will. It took my last book a month or two before it was available on Audible. Um, and then also you can, Desert Book has an app that you can um, get and you can listen to their audio version too. And I think Seagull Book has an audio version. In fact, um, I think my, oh, I don't think it is anymore. I was going to say, I think the Audible version was available for two ninety nine through the Seagull Book app, but I think that's not going on anymore. I should have checked. Okay, cool. Very good. Very good. Well, I, are you on social media at all? I am. So my um, author page is just author Esther Hatch on Facebook. And then on Instagram, it's Esther B. Hatch. Great. And those are really the only two I do anything with. <laughs> okay, good, good. And so Lisa, how can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Girl Gone Hallmark. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media and on Rotten Tomatoes. And so check that out. 
And make sure you guys are following the podcast all over social media. And if you're listening on iTunes, please give us your ratings and reviews. If you're listening on YouTube, please give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, if you read the book, let us know what you think. And uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts. So, and if you have other ideas for authors we could talk to or other books, we're always open for suggestions. So definitely let us know. And thanks again. Esther, this was really fun. Thank you for having me. Loved it. All right. We will talk again soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.